This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and good evening. Tonight, we begin with Joel Friday on the popular series Dragnet. Now, Dragnet is perhaps the most famous and influential police procedural drama in media history. The series gave audience members a feel for the boredom and drudgery, as well as the danger and heroism of police work. Dragnet earned praise for improving the public opinion of police officers. Actor and producer Jack Webb's aim in Dragnet were for realism and unpretentious acting, and he achieved both goals. And Dragnet remains a key influence on subsequent police dramas in many media. The show's cultural impact is such that after five decades, elements of Dragnet are familiar to those who have never seen or heard the program. The ominous four-note introduction to the brass and timpani, the theme music, Danger Ahead, is instantly recognizable, though its origins date to Miklos Rosa's score of the 1946 version of The Killers. Another Dragnet trademark is the show's opening narration. So let's hear those now-famous words and trademarks. Of Dragnet. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. NBC brings you Dragnet. Detective Sergeant, you're assigned to missing persons detail. You've never heard of Fountain Green, Utah. You've never heard of Juanita Lasky. Los Angeles is a big city, 452 square miles, 3,356,969 people. Your job, find her. Dragnet. The documented drama of an actual crime investigated and solved by the men who unrelentingly stand watch on the security of your home, your family, and your life. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step by step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Monday, December 12th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the day watch out of missing persons detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Ed Backstrand, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on my way back from lunch, and it was 12.47 p.m. when I got to room 67A. Missing persons detail. 4G. Federal cafe. Good soup today. What kind? Uh... Corn chowder is real good. Place is jammed with Christmas shoppers. I had to wait. Hmm. Haven't even started my shopping yet. You? 
Mm, gotta pick up something for my mother. Prices are high. I'll send a lot of cards. Wait till you get married, Joe. Ever try to sell a Christmas card to a kid? They got to have something with wheels on it. Yeah, I guess you're right. Missing persons, Friday. Mountain Green, Utah, calling the Los Angeles Police Department. Bureau of Missing Persons. My party will speak with anyone in charge. This is Missing Persons, Sergeant Friday. Just a moment, please. Mrs. Lasky, ready with your call to Los Angeles. Hello? 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 Here's your party. Go ahead, please. Uh, operator? Yes, madam. Uh, could you please give me the charges for this call? I'm using my neighbor's phone. All right, madam. Please signal when your call is completed. Oh, yes, yes. I- I'll do that. Go ahead, please. Hello? Yes, ma'am. Sergeant Friday. This is Mrs. Hannah Lasky. I'm calling you from Fountain Green, Utah. Yes, ma'am. This is in regard to my daughter, Juanita Lasky. I, I haven't heard from her in well over a month, and I- I'm terribly worried. Where was she staying in Los Angeles, Ms. Lasky? At the Chelsea Hotel for Women. I, I-, I have the address. Uh, 941 South Melrose Street. I can't understand it. Ever since Juanita's been away from home, she, she's written twice a week regularly. When's the last time you heard from her? The last letter I have is postmarked November 2nd. You know how it is, Sergeant. We have no relatives in Los Angeles, and, and she's trying to find work down there, living all alone. I, I just don't know what to do. All right, Ms. Lasky, I'll take her description over the phone and make out a preliminary report. You'll have to send us a photograph of your daughter and a letter to the effect that you want us to trace her. Now, what's your daughter look like? What's her full name? Juanita Marie Lasky. L-A-S-K-E-Y. No, 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 no E. All right. Her age, weight, and height. She was 26 last July 10th, 128 pounds, and about my height. How tall are you, Ms. Lasky? Oh, oh, yes. Um, Five feet, seven inches. She has auburn hair. It's quite long, and her eyes are green. Okay, I got it. Any outstanding scars, birthmarks, anything that might help us identify her? I say any outstanding scars, birthmarks, anything that might help us identify her. No. Juanita's a pretty girl. Nice disposition. Oh, that's about all, Sergeant. Where can we contact you, Ms. Lasky? 122 Brigham Young Street, Fountain Green, Utah. When you find Juanita, I wish you'd have her call me right away. I'll pay for the call. We'll do that, Ms. Lasky. What's your number up there? This is the neighbor's phone, but but they'll call me. It's Fountain Green 14R2. Yeah. You will try to find her as fast as you can. We'll go to work on it. Well, Juanita always comes home for the Christmas holidays. Do you think she's all right? I wouldn't worry about it, Ms. Lasky. We'll call you just as soon as we get any kind of a lead on her. Thank you so much, Sergeant. And and if there's any charge, I'll be glad to pay it. No charge. If your daughter's in Los Angeles, I think we can find her. If there's anything wrong, you'll let me know right away? Yes, ma'am. You're very kind. Goodbye. Bye. What you got, Jill? Some girl owes her mother a letter. Come on, Ben. Just a routine call. We made the usual check, the morgue, all the hospitals, the county jail. And then we went through the repeater file. We found a Juanita Lasky in the files, but the age and description didn't match. We put that lead in the discard. After the usual paperwork, the next step was to check her last known residence. The Chelsea Hotel for Women. Here it is, Joe. Chelsea Hotel. Yeah. 55 rooms all outside. You're home away from home. Now let's go in. 
hotel. Thank you. Here's a bell. Yes, sir. May I help you? We're looking for a Miss Juanita Lasky. I'll ring her room. Whom shall I say is calling? Is she in? I believe so. I just saw her about an hour ago. Okay. Would you ring her room, please? Uh, yes, sir. And whom shall I say is calling? My name's Friday. All right, Mr. Friday. Just a moment. Uh, do you wish to speak with her on the phone, or shall I have her come down? Ask her to come down if she doesn't mind. She doesn't need to answer. It's funny. I'll ring again. No, sir, she doesn't seem to be in. Would you like to leave a message? Didn't you say you saw her about an hour ago? Yes, I did. She must have gone out again. I wonder if we could check her room. Oh, no. Gentlemen are not allowed above the main lobby. I'm sorry, ma'am. We're from the police department. Missing persons. I'm Sergeant Friday. This is Sergeant Romero. Oh. You men are from missing persons, did you say? Yes, ma'am. Well, I'm sure Juanita just stepped out for a moment if you'd care to wait here in the lobby. We haven't got much time, ma'am. We'd appreciate it if you'd show us a room. Certainly. I'll get to the taxi. That's uh, 2.15. The elevator's right this way. Thank you. What seems to be the trouble? Some friend of Juanita's missing? No, ma'am. Juanita. Juanita? I don't understand. Her mother's a little worried about her. Down this way. Here we are. No wonder she didn't hear the phone. She's in the shower. Yes, ma'am. Um, would you rap on the bathroom door and tell her we'd like to talk to her as soon as she's through? We'll wait out here in the hall. Certainly. Juanita? Juanita, there are two gentlemen here to see you. Juanita? Juanita? I'm coming in. It's Miss Waters. Sergeant? Yeah? There's no one in the shower. It's running, isn't it? Yes, I see a robe and towel all laid out. We better take a look around. Turn off the shower, will you? Yeah. She must have left in a hurry. Say, here's a fresh change of clothing on the bed. Where's the closet, ma'am? This door? Yes, that's right. Closet full of clothes. There's a couple of pieces of luggage in there. This isn't like one, either. Funny, isn't it? You say you saw her about an hour ago. Yes, I did. Coming in or going out? Oh, coming in, I thought. You have room service here? Yes, we have a coffee shop downstairs. Mm -hmm. The tray of food here on the table hasn't been touched. Coffee's still warm. Shut that radio off, will you, Ben? Yeah. Could she have gotten out of the building without you seeing her? No, we don't have a rear entrance. You sure you didn't see her go out the front door just before we got here? No. No, I did not. How about her mail? She been picking it up lately? I think so. We can check that down at the desk. Yeah, here's some letters. Postmark Utah. Return address. Mrs. H. Lasker. Mother. Let me see that over there. This is one of your telephone message forms? Let me see. Yes, yes, that's right. Says long distance call operator two Fountain Green, Utah. According to this slip, this call was received at one twenty five today. May I see that, sir? Certainly. Yeah. Yes, that's what he's writing. Mrs. Tollison took that call. She relieves me for lunch. Well, do you know whether she returned this call? Well, if she did, there'll be a record down at the desk. Uh-huh. Now, you're positive that you saw Juanita Lasky an hour ago. Yes, how? I'm sure. Just about an hour ago. Five feet, seven, 128 pounds, green eyes, red hair. Red hair? Oh, no. Juanita's a blonde. 
Her mother told us that Juanita Lasky had red hair. Now, we weren't too surprised. A lot of women change the color of their hair. It would make identification a little more difficult, but not impossible. We checked down at the desk. Juanita Lasky had picked up all her mail, but she had not answered that long-distance phone call to Fountain Green. The next step was to question some of the people in the Chelsea Hotel who knew Juanita. We tried room 217. Yeah, oh, Gloria, these men are police officers. They want to ask you some questions. Yes. Is it all right for them to... Yes, yes, of course. This is an exception. Won't you come in? Thank you. What's your name, miss? Gloria Edgerton. You know Juanita Lasky? Yes, I know her. She has the room right next door to me. Have you seen her today? No, I haven't. I've been out doing my Christmas shopping. Why? We were trying to locate her, Miss Edgerton. Wasn't she in her room? I thought I heard her shower going. Yes, she did, but she wasn't in there. When was the last time you saw her? Last night at dinner. We always eat dinner together. Did she say anything that might lead you to believe that she was going anywhere today? No. She said she might do some Christmas shopping today, so I suggested she go with me, and she agreed. She said she let me know this morning. Did she? No, she didn't. I just assumed that maybe she was sleeping in, so I went on alone. Are you sure she hasn't just stepped out? We don't know. She's just going down to the corner. It's a little unusual to leave the shower running, the radio on, and let your lunch get cold. Did she do that? How long has Juanita had blonde hair? Well, ever since I've known her, about six months. We moved in here together. We work at the same place. Where's that, Miss Edgerton? At the Paget building. We're elevator operators. I see. Who was your immediate superior down there? Darlene Camp. She's cheap starter. Mm-hmm. You got that, man? Mm-hmm. She have many dates? No, not too many. Juanita likes to go steady. Who was her steady boyfriend? Paul Matthews. He works in the Paget building, too. He's in the dental lab for Dr. Welty. Six floor. Well, is there anything else that you'd like to add that might help us find her? Well... Are you sure she's lost? The Claggett Building is in the heart of downtown Los Angeles. It's a business and professional building. The cornerstone says, erected in 1924, and it stands 12 stories high. The main entrance is on Hill Street. Are you Darlene Camp? Yes. Just a moment, please. Going up. All right, Dora. Can I help you? I'm Sergeant Friday, Police Department. This is Sergeant Romero. Yes, sir. Juanita Lasky work for you? Yes, she does. She's one of my operators. When's the last time you saw her? Mm, anything wrong? No, no. We're just trying to locate her. <laughs> you just missed her by 45 minutes. All right, Sylvia. She was in to pick up a check. You know where she cashes her check? Most of the girls cash them down at the bank on the corner. There's only one around here over on 8th. You say about 45 minutes ago? Yes, that's right. Thanks very much, Miss Kemp. Come on, Ben. Going up. All right, Marion. Yeah, the bank's not far from here. Yeah, it is kind of funny, isn't it? What's that? The room, the shower, the radio, that lunch. Sure pulled out in a hurry. What do you think? I don't know what to figure. It's a new one on me. She's alive. We know that. She was 45 minutes ago, anyway. Hmm. Christmas is here. Santa Claus in his chimney. Yeah. No. Oh. I beg your pardon, sir. Yeah, that's all right. Merry Christmas. Same to you. Here we are, Jill. Guess we better check with the manager, huh? You the manager? I'm the assistant manager. Can I help you? Police department. Yes, sir. I'd like to find out if a check has been cashed here within the hour. Yes, sir. And what's the party's name? Lasky, Juanita, payroll check, 
Bicot building? Yes, sir. I know Miss Lasky. If you'll uh, step behind the counter, I'll get the check. Thank you. If you'll uh, just wait right here. Okay, thanks. I wonder why she stopped writing to her mother. It's a good question. When we find her, we'll ask her. I wonder if anything was wrong where she worked. No, it didn't seem to be. We'll check back there when we finish here. Yeah, and that boyfriend, Paul Matthews, too. Yeah, well, here's our man. Yes, sir. Here's the canceled check. I okayed it. You sure it's the same girl? Blonde girl, elevator operator in the Claggett building. Was she alone? I think so. Did she appear normal? No, no, she didn't seem to be as friendly as she usually is. Now, does she have an account here? She did have a small savings account here, but she closed it out about a month ago. I see. Well, here's our card. If you should happen to see her again, give us a call. I'll do that. Thank you very much. Entirely welcome. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. We went back to the Claggett building. Ben called the Chelsea Hotel from the phone booth in the lobby of the building. Miss Waters, the manager, was keeping a sharp lookout, but Juanita Lasky had not been heard from. Paul Matthews worked in a dental lab for a Dr. Welding. His office was number 637. Yes, gentlemen, help you? We'd like to see Paul Matthews. I'm Paul Matthews. We're from Missing Persons Police Department. Sergeant Friday, I'm Sergeant Merrill. Yes, sir. Do you know a Juanita Lasky? Yes, sir. When's the last time you saw her? Saturday night, we went to a show. Is there something wrong? We're trying to locate her. Do you see a lot of each other? Yes, we do. I don't understand. Miss Lasky disappeared from the hotel a couple hours ago. Thought maybe you might know where she is. No, I don't. Today's her day off. Maybe she's out shopping. Has Juanita done anything wrong? No, it's just that her mother hasn't heard from her for quite some time. I can explain that. Juanita's an elevator operator here in the building. That's how I met her. They don't make much money, you know. Yeah. She was having a hard time making ends meet. She sends money home to her mother every month or so, and besides that, she's got to pay rent and buy clothes, and eat is pretty rough. She seemed despondent over all this? No, I wouldn't say that, but she was kind of unhappy about not getting a raise. Do you have any outside job? No, sir, she didn't. What kind of a girl is she? What do you mean? Cheerful, good-natured. Oh, sure. Fine girl. We get along swell. I, I, I still don't get it. Well, maybe there's nothing to it. Just a routine check. I hope she's all right. When did all this come up? couple of hours ago. We might have to check back with you. If I can help. Okay. Thanks for the information. Here's our card. If you hear from him, we'll give us a ring. You don't suppose anything's happened to him? That's what we're trying to find out. Goodbye, Mr. Matthew. When we got back to Central Division, we had a full description of Juanita Lasky teletype to all outlying stations in the metropolitan area of Los Angeles. We also put out an APB. We double-checked the repeater file and the wanderer file. We made out a full report on our findings to date. During the next eight days, we located a missing husband for a wife in Memphis, Tennessee. We picked up a runaway boy missing from his home in Reno, Nevada. And a 79-year-old veteran of the Spanish-American War who left his home in Bakersfield, California because he didn't like his daughter-in-law's cooking. But Juanita Lasky was still a mystery. For eight days, we checked and rechecked all our known friends and habits. We went back over the course a dozen times, but no trace. It was almost as if she had ceased to exist that day in the Chelsea Hotel. The letter and photograph from her mother had arrived, and we circulated it to cities all over the country. Her mother wrote that during the war, Juanita was a whack corporal. We put a tracer through to the War Department. That way, we'd have another photo and a full set of fingerprints. Well, where do you want to start today? I'll get it. 
Missing persons, Friday. Joe, this is Spencer over in the morgue. Yeah, Archie. You still looking for that girl? Uh, what's her name? Ramona Lasky? Juanita, yeah. Just had one brought in. Looks like your girl to me. The city morgue is located in the basement of the Hall of Justice on West Temple Street, across the street from the city hall. A lot of missing persons cases end right here. Archie Spencer met us at the door. Hi, Joe. How's the wife, Ben? Oh, fine, Archie. Over here, Joe. Cooler 23. Give me a hand, huh? You bet. That's her, isn't it? When's she going to be posted? As soon as your fingerprint man gets here. That's Ramona Lasky, isn't it? Juanita. Juanita, I mean. No. No, that's not her, Archie. You sure? Yeah. I was almost positive. Sure looks like this picture in your bulletin. Yeah, yeah, she looks a lot like the picture, but it's not Juanita Lasky. Five foot seven, green eyes, blonde hair, about 130. Hmm. How close can you get? Look at the face. You sure that's not her? Yeah, I'm sure. Look at her hair, the roots. Yeah. They're blonde all the way down. They ought to be dark. Our girl's a bleached blonde. Yeah, I see what you mean. Look at her right hand, index and middle fingers. Heavy nicotine stains. Our girl didn't smoke, Archie. Yeah, I see what you mean. Well, guess I was wrong. That's not Ramona. Juanita. Come on, Ben. That afternoon, we got another phone call from Fountain Green, Utah. Juanita Lasky's mother. We told her we hadn't found any trace of her daughter. It was a hard job. We had answered calls like this before, but maybe it was just the season of the year. Somehow, we felt that we had to find Juanita Lasky by Christmas. We covered every angle we could think of. We kept close watch on all incoming reports. We stayed in close contact with her friends and Miss Waters at the Chelsea Hotel. Regardless of the name on the incoming reports, we checked every set of fingerprints against those we had received on Juanita Lasky from the War Department. Still, no trace. December 23rd, we checked in for work at 8.30 a.m. Chief Ed Backstrand wanted to see us. Got a little something on the Lasky girl. Might help you. What is it, Kevin? man by the name of Willard Harris owns a bar out in Pomona. Phoned in this morning. Yeah? Found a woman's handbag left in the bar. Driver's license made out to Juanita Lasky. Why'd you think to call us? He's got a television set in his bar. Saw the Lasky girl's picture on Sergeant Rosenquist's broadcast last night. How about the girl? Says he can't place her. You uh, better hop out and pick up that purse. Willard Harris owned the Mission Trail Bar. It was in the bus terminal in the heart of Pomona. The Christmas traffic was heavy all the way out Garvey Boulevard. It was 10.45 when we pulled up in front of the bar. Willard Harris was inside taking a liquor inventory when we walked in. How do you do? You, Mr. Harris? Yeah, that's right. You fellas with General Liquors? Los Angeles Police Department. My name's Friday. This is Sergeant Romero. Oh, say. Glad to know you boys. Yeah, I ain't called Los Angeles this morning. We came right out. Say, um, how about a little eye-opener? Got some fine Irish whiskey. No, thanks, Mr. Harris. How about your partner there? No, thank you. All right, boys. Guess you want that purse, huh? Yes, please. Yeah. Here you are. Just as I found it. I opened it up to get the owner's name, but that's all. Didn't touch a thing. Okay. Thanks, Mr. Harris. You said that you didn't remember seeing the woman who left this. No, I don't. Herb works with me here. He might have seen her, but he didn't. 
I asked him the night we found it. How long ago did you find it, Bert? Oh, about two weeks. No, a little closer to a week. Yeah, yeah, about eight days ago. I usually hold something like this for 30 days. That's a law, you know. Yeah. But I saw that fellow on the television on that missing persons program. And that's how come I called you, boys. Well, thanks very much, Mr. Harris. There's all, boys. It's cold out this morning. Sure you don't want a little bit? No, thanks, Mr. Harris. Goodbye. We checked the personnel at the bus terminal, but none of them seemed to recognize Juanita Lasky's photograph. We checked the contents of her purse, but we found nothing unusual. Four one-dollar bills and some change and the normal things women carry. Since it was money in the bag, we felt sure that Juanita Lasky had lost the purse herself. That meant that she was alive eight days ago, two days after she walked out of the Chelsea Hotel. It's the only print carried on a California driver's license. It matched the same print on the War Department record. It didn't prove anything except that all the evidence tied in and belonged to the girl we were looking for, Juanita Lasky. The next morning, December 24th, we checked in for work at 8.30. Morning, Ben. All right, Joe, here's the dinner report. You want to check them? There's a mess of them. Let's get at them. You look through any of them yet? No, not yet. I figured it would for you. All right, I'll take care. Hmm. Got any shopping done? No, you? Some. Lunch hour, mostly. Mm-hmm. Found some nice cards. Be sure to send me one. Yeah, I'll hand it to you in the morning. Let's trade shaving lotions like we did last year. If I get any. You can get some. My kid's got a bottle all picked out for you. It's called South Pole for that cool thing. Yeah. He's only a kid. Just the only one. Better than he gets old. Mm. Oh, you'll do it. Tell that buddy on the last case. Thanks, Holm. Oh, Ben, listen to this. Yeah? Bureau of Criminal Investigation, Sacramento. Here's a kickback on our APD. Yeah, what's it say? Uh, reading your APD, number 43 on 12, 1248. Our records disclose that Juanita Lasky applied for a position of civilian clerk at Marchfield, California, U.S. Army Air Base, using alias Gene Davis. How about the fingerprint classification? Yeah, let me find it. Yeah, FPC, key 19, primary 32 over 32, inner over outer, final 15 over 17. Friends, check out. That's our girl, Joe. <laughs> The Sacramento report stated that Gene Davis had applied for government work at Marchfield, California. Well, a couple of things dropped into place. Her purse had been found in Pomona. That's right on the main highway from Los Angeles to Riverside. And the application for a job at the Army Air Base a few miles beyond Riverside. We put through a long-distance phone call, and they told us that Gene Davis was employed there as a civilian clerk but failed to show up for work that morning. It seems like we run fresh out of luck every trip, doesn't it? Yeah, we get so close, and then she's gone again. What you think she's on the go for? I could figure that. I could find it. I'll get it. Missing persons, Friday. Yeah? We'll be right over. We didn't find her, but she's been found. Juanita Lasky just walked into the Chelsea Hotel. <laughs> We went over to the Chelsea Hotel. Technically, our job was completed now. Juanita Lasky had been found. We went over to make out our routine report. The streets were pretty jammed with last-minute Christmas shoppers, so we walked the last block to the hotel. What's your guess, Jill? Let's ask her. Come on, let's go in. That looks like her over by the desk there. Yeah, pretty well memorized that face. Sergeant, this is Juanita Lasky. Sergeant Siding, Sergeant Romero, Juanita. How do you do, Miss Lasky? How do you do? I'm sorry, I'm terribly sorry. 
Miss Waters told me. You mind telling her? Where have you been? Well, Sergeant, I don't know. These last 12 days have been a complete loss to me. Miss Waters told me what happened. I went over to see my doctor. He said I had temporary amnesia. I can't treat me. I see. What's your doctor's name, Miss Lasky? Dr. Rudner over on Crenshaw. Well, we're glad you're okay. Kind of had us going there for a while. Oh, I'm sorry. Can I use your phone, Miss Waters? Oh, certainly. Help yourself. Thank you. Distance. I'd like to place a person-to-person call to Mrs. Hannah Lasky, Fountain Green, Utah. That number is 14R2. Fountain Green, Utah, 14R2. That's right. Your name and number, please. Joe Friday, and this is Hempstead, 8594. Thank you. Rate operator. Fountain Green, Utah, route and night person rate from Los Angeles. T.C. Mount Pleasant. Salt Lake, night person, 140. Through Salt Lake. Salt Lake, Mount Pleasant. Mount Pleasant, Fountain Green. Fountain Green. Fountain Green, 14R2. Mrs. Hannah Lasky, Los Angeles, California, calling. Thank you. Ringing up, Hello. Mrs. Hannah Lasky, please. Los Angeles, California, calling. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Hang on. I'll, I'll get her. Waiting on your party, sir. Thanks. Getting through all right, Jim? Yeah. Lucky. Christmas Eve. Yeah. Hello? 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 Hello, Ms. Lasky. Yes? Just a minute, Ms. Lasky. Juanita. Hmm? You want it on the phone. Oh. Who is it? Just say hello. She'll take it from there. Let's go, Ben. Hello? Yes? Hello, Mother. Come on, Ben. Yes, I'm all right. Mother, it's so good to hear your voice. See you tomorrow, Joe. Merry Christmas. Yeah, it is, isn't it? The story you have just heard is true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. Upon further examination by competent medical authorities, Juanita Lasky was found to be suffering from periodic spells of amnesia. She was given treatment, and a complete cure was effected. You have just heard the eighth in a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet is furnished by the Los Angeles Police Department. Tonight's program is dedicated to Corporal Grady A. Beecham of the 9th Precinct Metropolitan Police Force, Washington, D.C., who, on the night of December 2nd, 1948, gave his life so that yours might be more secure. Dragnet came to you from Los Angeles. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for Eve Arden as our Miss Brooks next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Theater of the Mind on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. 
One of my favorite shows from the golden age of radio is Our Miss Brooks. Eve Arden, I think, nails the persona of a wisecracking yet lost soul in the love department English teacher at Madison High. The rest of the cast is equally superb. So let's listen in as Principal Osgood Conklin finds a new way to give Our Miss Brooks a headache. Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay and luster cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair bring you Our Miss Brooks starring Eve Arden. It's time once again for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks written by Al Lewis. Well, many of the nation's schools commence a new semester on Monday. And Madison High School, where our Miss Brooks teaches English, is one of them. Although the others usually dispense with classes on the last day or two of the old term, Madison did not. No, indeed. Our beloved principal, Osgood Conklin, saw to that. In fact, he was quite chagrined when a cloudburst last Friday kept almost all of the student body at home. Even members of the faculty didn't get down, except a handful of teachers, me. <laughs> Since Mr. Conklin didn't show up until quite late, I took it upon myself to dismiss the few soaked pupils who were floating around the halls. Saturday morning at breakfast, I discussed the situation with my landlady. And what did Mr. Conklin say when you told him you had canceled school for the day, Connie? He didn't say a word, Miss, Mrs. Davis, until he came down off the ceiling. <laughs> Then he accused me of usurping his function as a principal and throwing a monkey wrench into his plan for getting the jump on the other schools. What sort of plan did he have, Connie? Well, he felt that schedules should be revised and classes assigned before the first day of the new semester. Hence, we have all been invited to appear at school today. But this is Saturday, Connie. Mr. Conklin hasn't the authority to make anybody come to school. He doesn't make anybody come. He's put it on a voluntary basis. For both the student body and the faculty, it's strictly optional. Really? Of course. Come or die. (laughs) I can't understand some of you teachers, Connie. Why do you let Mr. Conklin drive you this way? What are you all? A bunch of, of geese? I don't know about the others, but don't be surprised if some morning you find a feather by my empty bed. (laughs) You see, Mrs. Davis, I've been in so much trouble with Mr. Conklin during the past term, I don't dare start the new one off on the wrong foot. Oh, that's probably Walter Denton. He's giving you down to school. Come in, Walter. It certainly is nice of Walter to call for you this morning. Yes, it is, considering that I made it quite clear to him that his driving me was strictly optional. Really? Of course. Be here or flunk. Hi, Mrs. Davis And to you, most revered and admired of all local educators I bow deeply from the waist Thank you, and get your head out of the milk pitcher (laughs) Sit down, Walter, I'll pour you a glass Ah, thanks Would you like something else, Walter? Uh, What have you got? Oh, a cereal, egg, sausage, bacon, toast So that'll be fine Obviously, you haven't had anything to eat since breakfast. Oh, that's right, Miss Brooks. Over an hour ago. <laughs> a growing boy should eat a lot, especially if you want to grow up and be big and strong like Hopalong Cassidy. If Hopalong Cassidy ate like Walter, he'd never make it to the saddle. <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> I'll go fix a nice plate for you, Walter. Oh, uh, 
How do you take your eggs? Four in the mouth and six intravenously. <laughs> Gosh, Miss Brooks, you make me sound like a pig. Uh, just scramble a few with some bacon and sausages, Mrs. Davis, please. All right, dear. Well, this is great. What better way to start off the day than a resounding second breakfast with my favorite school teacher? For a kid who's going to school on Saturday, you sound pretty chipper, Walter. Ah, but that's where you're wrong, Miss Brooks. I'm not going to school today. None of the students are. We held a mass meeting last night and decided that the only course to pursue was open rebellion. What? The issues are clear, Miss Brooks. If we let old Marblehead haul us into school today... Now, just a minute, Walter. I won't have you referring to the principal of our school in such a disrespectful manner. I'm sorry, Miss Brooks, but... Well, don't you see, if we submit to his demand that we attend school on Saturday, what's to prevent him from dragging us down on Sunday? Or even holidays? Oh, I can just picture it. Christmas weekend comes. Everybody's off having fun. But our principal decrees that we must spend every day of our vacation in school. Old Marblehead wouldn't dare. (laughs) Don't you worry, Miss Brooks. Even though we all recognize this for the tyranny that it is, it is a short-lived tyranny. Our spokesman elected unanimously at last night's meeting will see to that. Spokesman? Whom did you elect? Let me be the first to congratulate you. (laughs) But what more logical choice may I add to slay the tyrant? Now, wait a second, Walter. It just happens that I didn't renew my card in the Tyrant Slayers Union. (laughs) I'm in enough hot water now for canceling school yesterday. That was different. It was an emergency. Plus which nobody was there anyway. But don't worry about it now. We can plan our campaign on the way down to school. I thought you said you weren't going. Of course I'm going. I'm in charge of the picket line. As one of the organizers of this rebellion, it's up to me to see that the protest meeting this morning goes off without a flaw. Are you sure you've got the eyebrows for this kind of work? (laughs) Oh, we've got a great program lined up, Miss Brooks. Some of the kids are bringing a dummy down so we can hang Mr. Conklin in effigy. But, Walter, that's a pretty violent way of protesting. Oh, it'll all be in fun. Sort of. (laughs) Well, even Mr. Conklin's daughter Harriet's on our side. So, here's the plan, Miss Brooks. First, we're going to have one last talk with Mr. Conklin. Then we're going to go out and hang the dummy. Well, what do you think of the scheme? It's a dandy, Walter. Of course, it would be more effective if you had one last talk with the dummy and then went out... Oh, there I go with that wishful thing. For a group who decided not to come to school today, there's quite a crowd on the campus. I wonder where Stretch Snodgrass is. Uh, he's supposed to carry the dummy over to the flagpole. As Madison's star athlete, he deserves the honor, but let me offer a word of caution, Walter. Uh, what's that, Miss Brooks? Well, I don't want to cast any aspersions on Stretch's mentality, but if he's carrying the dummy, be very careful who you string up. Ah, <laughs> uh, here he is now. Hiya, Stretch. Hi, Walter. Hello, Miss Brooks. Hello, Stretch. I made up a slogan for one of the picket signs, Walter, but I'm afraid it might be a teeny-weeny bit disrespectful. Want to hear it? Sure. How does it go? It goes, Mr. Conklin is very unfair. I'm going to wash that guy right out of my hair. (laughs) I don't think a slogan like that's too disrespectful to you, Miss Brooks. Not if you want to finish your education in another part of the state. (laughs) The real fun will come later, Miss Brooks. We're going to hang Mr. Conklin in a figgy. (laughs) 
in a figgy. Will he fit in a figgy? <laughs> no, he means in effigy, Miss Brooks. Oh, I kind of liked it the other way. <laughs> yeah, I better get the thing now. I'll see you later, Miss Brooks. Bye, Walter. Uh, so long, pal. Well, everything's rolling right along. Uh, let's see if Mr. Conklin got here yet. Hello, Miss Brooks. Walter. Well, I just talked to Daddy, and he's livid. He blames you for the entire insurrection, Miss Brooks. Me? I tried to reason with him. I even told him that you weren't present when we named you our spokesman. Although it was a foregone conclusion that you'd accept the honor with great enthusiasm. That's getting me off the hook. <laughs> Daddy says if you hadn't canceled school yesterday, this wouldn't have happened. You're in an awful spot. Gosh, I didn't mean to get you into such a jam, Miss Brooks. Well, I'm in it, and it's up to me to get out of it. Please don't think I'm a Benedict Arnold, but I'd better get up on the school steps and have a little talk with some of these strikers. Well, it probably won't do any good, but I can't blame you for trying. Students! Uh, boys and girls, I'd like to talk to you for just a moment. Quiet, please. Thank you. Now, I'm sure you all have as much pride in your school as any members of the faculty have, or as its principal, Mr. Conklin, has. Uh, please, please, I'm just trying to tell you that by working for a few hours today, we can be prepared to launch our new semester on Monday with a minimum of confusion, thus assuring us of a better start toward that degree of scholastic excellence which has always prevailed at Madison High. Remember, students, education is your sacred heritage, your guaranteed right under the Constitution, as well as the Bill of Rights, which ensures us all of the benefits and privileges which every American has come to feel. And so, Miss Brooks, I hold you personally responsible for the fact that these malcontents are not in their classrooms yet. But, Mr. Conklin, I really tried to... Uh, excuse me. This is Osgood Conklin's office. Mr. Conklin himself speaking. Hello, Conklin. This is Mr. Stone at the Board of Education. Oh, oh, hello, Mr. Stone. How's everything? I have no time for chit-chat. A rather disturbing rumor has reached me to the effect that you've summoned your student body to school today. My student body? You realize, of course, that such an action on your part without sanction from the board would constitute a breach of authority that could lead to your immediate dismissal? Uh, uh, yes, yes, of course. Now, I can't for the life of me imagine where these ridiculous rumors begin. Why, I'm here all alone. Not another soul in the office. <laughs> Bless you. Shut up! <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm sorry, sir. My uh, cat has a cold. <laughs> uh, but uh, about that rumor... The only reason I'm in the office is to get out some letters. Good, good. I thought you had better sense than to do anything that autocratic. Oh, uh, by the way, Osgood, I'll be in your neighborhood in a little while. Perhaps I'll drop in to discuss some board matters with you. Fine, Mr. Stone. That'll be just grand. I'll look forward to seeing you. Very well. Goodbye, Osgood. Goodbye, Mr. Stone. Well, Miss Brooks, sometimes everything happens for the best. Because of you, no child has set foot in this building as yet. Is that right? I guess not, Mr. Conklin, but if you'll just wait I, until I... I'll, I'll be frank with you, Miss Brooks. If they had come in, it could have meant my dismissal. I don't understand Mr. Stone's attitude, but 
Well, go out to your youthful charges and inform them that there is no school today. Oh, fine, Mr. Conklin. You did it, Miss Brooks. I didn't think you could do it, but you did it. What are you talking about, Denton? Oh, she was wonderful, Mr. Conklin. Miss Brooks made a speech a few minutes ago that'll go down in Madison's history. Yes, sir, every student is in his or her classroom right now. (laughs) And believe me, Mr. Conklin, wild horses couldn't drag them out of this school today. (laughs) Well, Miss Brooks? (laughs) You heard the boy. Thanks to your speech, wild horses couldn't drag them out of school today. And now, young woman, may I ask what you propose to do? Step aside, Mr. Conklin. I told Walter Denton to corral the students and herd them into the cafeteria. While I was waiting for them to assemble, I corralled Mr. Boynton and herded him into a corner table. Over a cup of coffee, I told him of Mr. Conklin's dilemma. As usual, Mr. Boynton was extremely sympathetic. So you see, if these kids don't go home at once, Mr. Conklin can get in big trouble with the board. Well, that's his worry. Oh, he should have known better than to ask students to come to school on Saturday let alone the faculty. I wish he would let alone the faculty. <laughs> but we're in it now, at least I am, up to our necks, at least my neck. Fine English teacher. <laughs> well, I, I don't like to see you distressed about it. Now, look, when we do leave here, how about going someplace, just the two of us? What sort of place did you have in mind, Mr. Boynton? Well, I don't know. It's a date. <laughs> I... I thought maybe you'd enjoy the the zoo again today. I understand they've got a yak over there that's over 60 years old. Honestly? Yeah. That's pretty old for a yak, you know. Oh, I know. (laughs) Then old yaks are so much more fun than young yaks, don't you think? (laughs) Or don't you care? I know I don't. Most of the kids in, Miss Brooks. Oh, hi, Mr. Boynton. Oh, hello, Walter. I'll hold this chair for you, Miss Brooks. Go ahead. Get up on it and make your speech. Thanks, Walter. Uh, students, attention, please. I've called you here for some very good news. You don't have to stay in school today. Oh, but Miss Brooks, after your speech of this morning, we want to stay. Don't you believe it. This, after all, is Saturday, a holiday. One to which you are not only entitled by law, but which is guaranteed to you by the Constitution. By the Bill of Rights and every other document so carefully prepared to safeguard the interest of you, the future leaders of our great nation. Hello? Hello, Osgood. This is Mr. Stone. I'm afraid I won't be able to drop in on you today after all. My wife's been driving my car all week, and it's pretty well shot. Yes. Yes, I've seen her. Your, your, your car, that is. Your car. I, I'm sorry you can't drop in, though, Mr. Stone, but when you do pay us a visit, you'll find as smooth a running educational operation as there is in this country. I'm sure of it, Osgood. Well, goodbye for now. Goodbye, sir, and thanks for calling. Um, come in. It's me, Mr. Conklin. I've told the students that they can go home any time they want to. What? Have they left yet? 
No, sir. Most of them are still in the cafeteria, but they're... They're going to pay for this morning's protest meeting. Mr. Stone isn't coming down after all. So you can just tell those recalcitrant mischief makers that they're staying here today until 4 p.m. But, Mr. Conklin, I can't make another speech. It's an order, Miss Brooks. Yes, Miss... And so by working for a few hours today, we can be assured of a better start toward that degree of scholastic excellence which has always prevailed at Madison High. Remember, students, education is your your guaranteed right under the Constitution, as well as the Bill of Rights, which ensures us all the benefits and privileges which every Stretch, I don't like to cross Miss Brooks up, but we just got to get out of school today. Well, we're all on detention, Walter. We got to stay till 4 p.m. What makes me mad, we didn't even get to burn Mr. Conklin in a figgy. <laughs> yeah, I know it's stretching. Hey, wait a minute. You just gave me an idea. Suppose we had a fire drill. Then when we all ran out of school, we could just forget to stop running until we got home. Yeah, but the control for the fire alarm bell is in Mr. Cochran's office. And he ain't going to ring it for no reason. Then let's give him a reason. You mean start a fire? No, no, not a real fire stretch. A fake one. We can get some dry ice in the cafeteria kitchen and drop it in a bucket of water. Oh, that makes the most beautiful smoke you ever saw. And then we just fan it under old Marblehead's door until it fills his office. Then he comes out of his door and hits us with the bucket. No, no, he doesn't. We remove the screws from his doorknob from the outside. And then when he tries to open the door, the knob comes away in his hand, and Conklin falls right on his conk. Boy, you should get a scholarship. So, Miss Brooks, you've informed the student body that they're all under detention until four? Yes, sir, I did. But suppose Mr. Stone does come over and discovers that you're keeping us all in school on a holiday. Ah, but he won't, Miss Brooks. He has no way to get here. His car broke down. Suppose he decided to walk over. Walk over? That's ridiculous. Well, hello, Miss Conklin. Mr. Stone. (laughs) I decided to walk over. That's ridiculous. Hello, Mr. Stone. How are you? Fine, thanks, Miss Brooks. I uh, would have been here sooner, Osgood, but I dozed off for a few minutes in the park. I stopped to rest on my favorite bench, the one under Paul Revere's statue. Uh, That is an extremely comfortable bench. Such nice, soft slats. (laughs) Uh, Tell me, Miss Brooks, uh, what brought you to Old Madison today? Old Mr. Conklin. Uh, That is, Mr. Conklin asked me to type some letters for him. Uh, Yes, yes, that's it. She's typing some letters for me. But, uh, I don't see any typewriter in here. Uh, well, it's in the next room. In the next room? I have very long arms. <laughs> uh, but now that we've finished, Mr. Conklin, why don't you drive Mr. Stone home instead of remaining in this stuffy old, empty old school? A splendid idea. Come along, Mr. Stone. Uh, not so fast, Look. Osgood. There are several things... That, uh, what's that? Uh, there must be someone loitering in the hall. Impossible. There's no one in school today. But I'd swear I... I just saw that doorknob turning. Turning into what? <laughs> and what's that? Swirling in under the door. Oh, that's nothing but smoke. Yes, that, that's all it is. Just smoke. Oh, of course. That's all it is. Smoke. 
Smoke? <laughs> Good heavens, the school's on fire. Let's get out of here. Follow me. Oh! <laughs> Don't knock him away in his hand. Oh, let me help you up, Mr. Stone. Mr. Stone? He fell on the back of his head, Mr. Conklin. He's unconscious. Quick, quick, Miss Brooks. Crawl through the window and run around and open the door from the outside. I'll try to revive Mr. Stone. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> Smoke's getting pretty thick in here. I can hardly see you, Miss Brooks. I can't see you at all, Mr. Conklin. <laughs> I never could. <laughs> Gosh, Waller, we've been fanning smoke under that door for five minutes now, and he ain't rung the fire alarm yet. Relax, Stretch. With the fog he's in, it'll take him a little while to notice the smoke. You don't think Mr. Conklin has become expiated, do you? <laughs> no, that would be too much to hope for. But if he is expiated, maybe we ought to open the door and haul him out of there. Please, let's not spoil a perfectly good axe-fixication. <laughs> Miss Brooks! We're cooked. Oh, it's not a real fire, Miss Brooks. It's just dry ice and water, see? That we were trying to get Mr. Conklin to ring the fire alarm so we could escape from school in the confusion. Oh, there's a lot you can do on Saturday on the outside. Gosh, Miss Brooks, now that you caught us, what are you going to do? Hand me that newspaper. I'll fan the smoke for a while. <laughs> Gee, you're a swell sport, Miss Brooks. You think you'll ring the alarm pretty soon? Maybe he needs a little encouragement. Keep up your courage, Mr. Conklin. I'm fighting my way through the flames. Eyes <laughs> on old marble head. Go ahead, Miss Brooks. Scare him some more. I'm trying to reach you, Mr. Conklin, but the heat is terrific. Perhaps I could get you a nice, cool lemonade, Miss Brooks. <laughs> Right now, thanks. I've got to keep fanning this dry ice. <laughs> now, Miss Brooks, if you're quite finished fighting your way through the flames... You got here in the nick of time, Mr. Conklin. I just put the fire out. Yeah, me too. Well, I better be getting back to my classroom now. Yeah, me too. And where you are, you culprits. Why, Mr. Conklin, you should thank these boys for what they've done. Thank them? Certainly. When Walter and Stretch realized the trouble you'd get into with Mr. Stone, they took this means of detaining him until the students were cleared out. Sure. As long as Mr. Stone is locked in there, you're safe. Hand me that newspaper. I'll fan the smoke for a while. Here you are, Mr. Conklin. Pour some more water on that dry ice, Snodgrass. You, Denton, see that all the classrooms are emptied and report back to me. Yes, sir. I'll clear them out nothing flat. <laughs> Mr. Stone will have to get up pretty early in the morning to outsmart old Marblehead. How's the fun? I don't think you're getting enough smoke under the door, Mr. Conklin. Oh, well, this newspaper's too flexible. Get me something firmer to fan the smoke with. Perhaps you'd like to use my hat, Mr. Conklin? <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Stone. Thank you. That should work much better than this... Thank you, Mr. Stone! Conklin, I will discuss this matter with you privately in your office. But, Mr. Stone... Follow me, sir. Oh! Mr. Stone! The door lamp came away in his hand again. Mr. Stone, say something. He's unconscious. Miss Brooks, what do I do now? In an emergency like this, there's only one thing to do. Run, do not walk to the nearest employment agency. And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks. Well, after Mr. Stone knocked himself out for the second time, I did some pretty fast thinking and came up with a desperation tactic. 
Recalling his remark that he had dozed on a park bench, I enlisted the aid of Mr. Boynton, and we hauled the head of the board over to the statue of Paul Revere. Oh, he's still out cold, Miss Brooks. I'll try the smelling salts again. There. Put them away, Mr. Boynton. He's coming, too. Wake up, Mrs. Stone. Wake up. What's that? Oh, Miss Brooks. About that fire. If you'll step into Mr. Conklin's office... Mr. Conklin's office? Where is it? Good heavens, the school is burned down. School? What school? Now, listen, Miss Brooks. When I first saw you today... Today? Why, I haven't seen you in two weeks, Mr. Stone. Since there was no school today, Mr. Boynton and I decided to stroll through the park. Yes, sir. And when we saw you dozing, we thought we'd better awaken you before you rolled off that bench. Bench? What? I do remember stopping to rest, but I... Oh, what a nightmare I've just had. (laughs) Maybe you'd better go home and get some real rest, Mr. Stone. Excellent suggestion. I'll go right home and... Wait a minute. Uh, What's the matter? How did I get this doorknob in my hand? (laughs) Doorknob? Oh, that. That must have fallen from Paul Revere's statue. From Paul Revere's statue? Of course. With the British coming, he was in an awful rush. <laughs> Next week, turn into another Armist Brook Show, brought to you by Luster Cream Shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair and Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Armist Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Boynton is played by Jeff Chandler, Mr. Conklin by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Bill Johnstone, and Leonard Smith. For mystery liberally sprinkled with laughs, listen to Mr. and Mrs. North, the exciting, fun-packed adventures of an amateur detective and his beautiful wife. Tune in Tuesday evening over most of these same stations. And be with us again next week at this same time for another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thanks very much for listening. Tomorrow night, Lucille Ball stars in My Favorite Husband, followed by Inner Sanctum. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.